Good morning, church. Um, thank you all for being here this morning. My name is Kyle Murdoch. I'm the Sports Outreach and Discipleship Minister here at Anastasia. Um, so I want to welcome you, and again, thank you for being here. I have a short list of announcements. Um, the first is, um, if you're our guest this morning, again, welcome. Um, we, we're grateful that you're here this morning. Um, if you'd like to connect with us, we have a, a phone number and a digital connect card, a QR code that should be up on the screen. Um, if you hold your phone up to that code, um, it'll take you to a website with all kinds of information, our upcoming events, um, how to give online, um, different ministries that we have. So definitely check that out if you're new or if you um, haven't done that yet. Um, the phone number is 904-441-6900 and just text the word connect. Um, this afternoon at 4 p.m. right here in the sanctuary, we're gonna have a special called business meeting. Um, the topic of discussion will be our 4G um, campaign. We have some updates to share with you and um, we need some feedback on some things that are, that are going on. So definitely make that if you can at 4 p.m. Um, here in the sanctuary. Our men's champion event is happening next Saturday, February 3rd at 9.30 a.m. If you're a man, you're definitely gonna wanna be here. We're gonna feed you twice. You get two meals. We get Chick-fil-A and coffee for breakfast. And then we're gonna have Brisky's barbecue for lunch. And in between, we're gonna have some supervised ax throwing, <clears throat> some, some cornhole games, pickleball, sports cars, fire. These are all great things. So definitely don't, don't miss that. Um, Next Sunday at 9 a.m., uh, we have our, we're hosting our quarterly Next Steps Discovery class. So this is not, despite how it sounds, it's not only for new members, but if you've never taken this class before, it's led by um, Pastor Walter. And that's gonna be at 9, 9 a.m. in room 306. So third floor over there. Um, we're just gonna talk about the vision of the church strategy, our goals, a lot of stuff that we don't normally talk about um, on Sunday, but um, that's gonna be next week. And there'll be time for questions as well. So if you have any questions for Pastor Walter, jot down that day and time too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, lastly, it's to save the date for you all is um, March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. It's the whole weekend. We have our Impact Weekend, um, also known as D-Now to some of you. Um, it's basically a, a camp in a weekend. So we got three days for, for our youth, and um, that's led by Pastor Jeremy. So registration details will be coming out soon. Nothing to do now, just save the date, mark your calendars. And um, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, I believe at this time we have a moment of recognition with Ms. Tamara. So, thank you. Good morning. Sorry. It is with immense joy and gratitude that we are recognizing Betty Neely this morning. Betty. There's nobody like Betty. Every volunteer. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> every volunteer is is so grateful. We are so grateful for every volunteer that we have. Betty is one that serves not once a month or every other week, but every single Sunday. And she has served in our children's ministry faithfully for 28 years. Betty Neely, you have for me 
shown me what a true servant's heart is. You have been an example of grace and kindness and guidance for generations of young hearts within this church family. And as I've told you before, you will never know this side of heaven, the number of lives that you have touched. Just recently, someone who's, I think, in high school came up to her and said, I love you and I miss you and I always remember how kind you were to me. So, Betty, we are grateful. I believe with all my heart that there are families out there now raising their children in faith because as a child, you raised them. As the Bible says, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, we love you. We have been blessed by your dedication. May we all be inspired by your dedication and your faithfulness. The doors are always open for you to come and visit us. And we just pray God continues to bless your life. And thank you. I'm not, I'm going to be brief because as you could probably see, my feet are out of whack. Um, I certainly didn't intend to end up teaching 28 years. It just kind of slipped up on me, <laughs> just like old age. <laughs> so um, it has been an honor and a privilege to teach your children and maybe some of your grandchildren. Uh, it has been generational because I know some of the kids that I taught when I started out down in that long narrow building, building down there with Joan Andrew, Lori Hayes, Sandy Waldice, Mindy Little. That was our team. And that was our life group then. And I'm in another great life group until a couple of weeks ago. But I'm scheduled for foot surgery this next Tuesday. I hope y'all will be in prayer for me uh, that I can get through that and walk a little bit better. Um, like I said, it's, I really didn't intend to teach that, that long. I'm not a good public speaker either. I think that's why I stuck with kids all these years. <laughs> but like I said, it's been an honor and a privilege, and I didn't really know how hard it was going to be. So I'm just happy I could get through this. The Lord says he'll always be with you, and, and he has been. So thank you very much. I think he has something for you. Now that you're seated, <laughs> you can grab the underside front of the pew, and if you pull real hard, it feels like you sat longer. <laughs> but it's that time we get up again to continue to worship the Lord. Come Christians, join to sing. This is the new one that we had done just a, a little bit. Uh, prior to prior to Christmas, so there is a chorus section that we're adding to this, uh, but the rest of the hymn you should know it just has a little hitch to it.
Ready? Come, Christians. Come, Christians, join to sing. Thank you so, so much. 
going to ask, will you stand with me again? We're going to sing How Great Is Our God. We're going to make one, you can stand. <laughs> We're going to make one minor adjustment. You sing the verse, you sing the chorus, you sing the verse, you sing the chorus, then we sing the bridge. What are the words to the bridge? 
name above all names, okay? When we sing that, we're going to sing that through one time, just like we always do. And then after that, the next two times, gentlemen, you're going to sing the chorus with me. Ladies, you're going to keep singing the bridge at the same time. All the words are up there that way. We tried to make it really easy to do this. <laughs> but in either case, um, but, but there's a really beautiful sound when you mash those two things together. And so look forward to that.
Ready? I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cross He from the curse to set me free. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer with His blood He purchased me. children said before you're seated figured I'd give you a break this time so it wasn't so much up and down just just real quickly how many of you made King's Brass concert Thursday night blessing good thing you were a blessing to them they could not believe how this room sang when we sang and I can testify to it because you're doing it again this morning. So that's a beautiful thing. You have blessed them as they've blessed you. And that is just 
absolutely wonderful to me. Now, before you're seated, bless someone else. Welcome them here this morning as Pastor Sam comes. permit me to wear a few different hats. Uh, Bill Blaylock, our administrator, was supposed to be here to do what we call the generosity moment here, but he's not feeling well. Uh, so I'm going to fill in for him this morning. I'm going to do my best, okay? Uh, but a couple of things I want to bring your attention to. If In front of you, there may be an envelope here. It's a little white envelope. Um, you know, what we, we try to take a moment in this service to give thanks to God's faithfulness. And a lot of times as a church, how we see that faithfulness is how God's working within you. And so I just want to take a moment to, to celebrate some of the ways that God has been faithful through you. And um, one, one you'll see at the first top of that envelope is tithes and offerings. And that goes to our general budget to help make things like our children's ministry, which Miss Betty has so faithfully served out through the years. Our youth ministry, so many different ministries that happen in the church are, are really, they're, they're made happen because of your giving to that. And so that's our, our general giving. Our building fund is our, our four generations to come fund, and, and, and you heard Miss Betty talk about that she's gotten to witness multiple generations of an opportunity to teach them about Jesus. We want to keep that happening. And so a part of our vision of, of moving forward with building a space that's adequate for our children and youth is that four generations to come, and, and we believe that it is our task, it is our role, it's our job as a church to tell generation after generation of the goodness of Jesus. And so every time you give to that, that goes to support that. And I, I need to give you an awesome update. We are $3,000 away from hitting the $7 million mark in total given to four generations to come. So thank you. The last little uh, box on there says Acts 1-8 Missions Fund. And this fund is a special fund that goes to support missionaries, uh, both locally, uh, missions partnerships that we have. Uh, and then it, has, uh, it also helps to fund missionaries that go across uh, the world. And, and, so, and we have a team here this morning that is getting ready to go to Costa Rica. I'm going to invite them up here uh, this morning. And so uh, we're so excited for them. And y'all come on up here. And we want to pray over them here in just a minute. And you guys are leaving for Costa Rica what day? Tuesday. Tuesday. Early morning? No, about Okay, so you can sleep in. So that's good. That's good. Well, uh, this team is going to be going to Costa Rica, and we have been, what, three times as a church or sent three different? Second. Second, second time. Visit. Second visit. And they're visiting a place called The Nest. Did I get that right? Yeah. And they're going to be ministering uh, to women who have experienced trauma or abuse, and they're just going to be loving on them. It's going to be a challenging trip, but we know it's going to be a rewarding trip. And there's a lot of walking involved, right? Is that, is that right? And so we want to pray for them as they leave Tuesday to go minister. And we're just believing that God's going to do big things through them. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. So will you join me and just, we're going to say a prayer over them. And so if you'll just lift your hands like this, we're going to just, as a symbol of prayer, Lord Jesus, 
I'm so grateful for this team of ladies that's going to be ministering at the Nest in Costa Rica to care for women who've experienced trauma or abuse, uh, who are going through difficult seasons. May you use these ladies right here as, God, just a reminder of your grace and your love. May you use them in power to minister to these ladies. And so, God, we ask for blessing and favor upon them. We ask for traveling mercies. And, God, that you would work abundantly. God, we pray for all the walking that they're going to do, that you give them an extra measure of strength, and God, that you would bless them. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we ask and we proclaim these things. And all God's people said, amen. 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 God bless you. Safe travels. Let's give them a round of applause. And so again, when you give, it goes to support uh, missions teams that like this are going to Costa Rica. Uh, if you came prepared to give this morning, you can do so by scanning that QR code or you can use the, the envelope uh, in, into, uh, we have the giving boxes out there in the atrium. All right, I want to shift gears. I'm taking my, that hat off and I'm putting on another hat. You guys with me? All right, here we go. We're continuing our series going through the book of Titus and I love this book. And uh, as you're flipping to Titus, and you blink, you might go right past it, okay? It's just three chapters, but it's right after 2 Timothy. Uh, but an incredible, incredible book that Paul is writing uh, to a young pastor named Titus who is ministering in Crete, on the island of Crete. And Titus has got some challenges that he's working through, and we've kind of talked through this a little bit. And in the second part of chapter 1, Paul begins to talk to Titus about really what we need to do to have sound faith. But he's doing it kind of in a, in a different way. He's saying by the bad example that they had been leading, you need to live differently. And so, I, and to put it in, in, under, in terms that we might understand, have you ever learned what not to do by what someone did? <laughs> that, that defines most of my childhood, I think, except I was the person usually doing it. And so I was helping other people out. Uh, I, I can remember, though, as a kid, uh, I grew up in, in a small town, real rural area, uh, lots of farmland, lots of pastures. And so a lot of my childhood was roaming through these pastures and walking. And I, I can remember going through one pasture with one of my friends, and there became a fence, which wasn't uncommon. And we decided we needed to get over to that fence to get to where we needed to go. But there was a challenge. There, there's what they call a hot wire on that fence. <laughs> and, and if you know what a hot wire is, it's an electric fence. And it's for, you know, cattle and horses and and, you know, they're quite a bit bigger, so the, it's, it, if you've ever touched one, it's an electrifying experience, right? So we got to this fence, and we thought, well, good gracious, uh, you know, we want to climb over it, but is it on? That's the big question. And so between me and my, my friend, we started debating, okay, well, who's going to touch the fence to see if it's on or not? And we thought the only way to settle it was with a good game of rock, paper, scissors. I won. He touched the fence, and it was definitely on. <laughs> I learned what not to do by what he did, right? And I learned an important lesson that day, and, and so we didn't climb that fence. But here is Paul is writing to Titus, the way the Christians are living in Crete is not in a good example of what it means to have sound faith and sound doctrine. So Paul is encouraging Titus for them to embrace biblical truth, to live authentically in their faith, and not just uh, live out their faith in what they say, but live out their faith in what they do. And uh, if you remember, in the book of Titus, as we opened, one of the own, uh, their own Cretans had this to say about their own people, right? Of the Cretans, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Man, 
They, they really know how to encourage one another, right? <laughs> but this was what was said. And what happened in Crete is there was a lack of example of what it meant to be a Christ follower. They were so influenced by the world, by an old religious narrative, and, and that they, they forgot the calling that Christ had put on them and the faith that they were called to live out. And so in the beginning of Titus, Paul begins to lay out and uses some of the language for the sake of the faith, live differently. Live as Christ has called you. Because what was happening is they were, in fact, hurting the cause of the gospel. They were hurting it. And if you were to break down what Paul's encouragement, uh, you know, summarized, what four things that was Paul encouraging to Titus and to the church in Crete, I, I would say it's these four things. You can write them down. The first one is to establish elders and godly leaders. That's the first thing that Paul is instructing Titus to do. You need healthy, godly leadership and examples of what it means to follow Christ. Establish elders and godly leaders. Excuse me for just a minute. We were doing all that good singing this morning, and uh, I, was, I was singing along. Second thing, encourage the church to pursue godliness. Again, the church in create was uh, pursuing worldliness, not godliness, and so Paul's encouragement to Titus, encourage them to pursue godliness. Third thing, embrace biblical truth, sound biblical truth. And fourthly, correct those who are false teachers. These are kind of the things that Paul lays out to Titus to follow along. And, and we kind of see that here in Titus 1, chapter 10. But again, Paul is writing for the sake of the gospel, for the Cretan church to embrace the truth of the gospel and pursue godliness, living as Christ has commanded us. Now, again, he's going to say, this is not what to do to have sound doctrine. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 10. And if you can this morning, please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Titus chapter 1, verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silent since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and commandments of, commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciousness are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him with their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. A tough word. <laughs> A tough word that Paul delivers to Titus. But you got to remember Paul's heart in this, is that all would be having a sound faith, embracing biblical truth, holding fast to it. And so I think in this passage, Paul lists the things the Cretan church uh, was doing that were keeping them from having a sound faith. And so for us and for them, here's an example of what it would look like to have a sound faith. It's the first thing you can write down here uh, is stay anchored in the truth. Stay anchored in the truth. Paul says, not devoting, the, or devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. 
The church on Crete was being swayed every which way by the influence of people, culture, religion, old religious narrative, and many were still living under old covenant way of thinking and not living that was consistent with the new covenant way of thinking that Jesus had brought forth. Paul tells us, to be sound in the face, you must be anchored in the truth. Why do we need to be anchored? You think about us, we live on a coastal town. We can just drive over the bridge, and we're going to see lots of uh, sailboats, hopefully anchored, <laughs> uh, holding them in the spot that they are supposed to be. But why do we need anchors? Well, it's quite simple. There are things like current, there are waves, there are tides, there are other boats. And if you're not careful, these things can move you away from the place that you're wanting to be. An anchor is used to keep you in one spot. And if we're not anchored, we can drift away from where we want to be. Why do we need to be anchored in biblical truth? Because the world can influence us, our own selves. We can influence our way of thinking that is not biblical, that is not theologically sound. We can drift away from the place that we want to be that's right in the center of God's will, obedience, and truth. We, if we're not careful, we will drift. And anger keeps you from moving away from where you want to be. And uh, truth holds us fast. It anchors us. Where is the truth? It's right here. The truth is the word of God, and it centers us and tells us how to live, how to think, how to pray, how to obey, how to believe. And through the word of God, we can understand God's will and plan and the truth for our lives. I love what Romans 10, verse 17 says this. It says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Our faith is built upon hearing the word of the Lord. Our faith is built upon hearing the voice of the Lord. Church, how, how does the Lord speak? Is it a loud voice? Come on, church, what is it? A still small voice, right? A whisper. Is it easy to hear a still small voice? If I go in the corner and whisper, are you guys going to hear me? No. Well, I have a microphone on, so probably, but... <laughs> If I whispered in the corner, it would be hard for you to hear. Church, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, it's hard to hear the voice of God. I need help. I need discernment. I need wisdom. That's why I think the church is so important that we can encourage one another. But can I tell you, God gave us a hearing aid. <laughs> can I tell you the hearing aid is this? Because <laughs> according to the scripture, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Sometimes I have a hard time understanding what the Lord is wanting me to do, to think, to act, to pray. But if I tune in and I tune up the word of God, I can hear more clearly what God is trying to say to me. This is a word that, that God is giving Paul and the church and creed. He's saying, listen, tune in and turn up what God is saying and hold fast to it. If we want to stay sound in our faith, we've got to listen in to the word of God. You know, the word of God should act for us as a filter for your theology and faith. The Word of God can cleanse us of any false belief, thought, or theology. But the way that we do that is we study and we understand. We pray and we meditate. We saturate ourselves in biblical community, uh, the church, and we serve God in faithfulness. Why do we need an anchor? Because we can be so easily swayed. As we look at the church in Crete and we, we want to point fingers, that could be us. So we got to hold to the faith. You know, 
Uh, Paul wrote another letter uh, similar to the one he wrote to Titus, and it was Timothy, right? Just a, a little bit back. And, you know, Timothy, very similar, was a young pastor who Paul was mentoring. And, and, and Paul and or, or Timothy and Titus both had similar challenges that they faced. And uh, they had uh, the challenge of kind of these false teachers coming along. And, 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 and Paul gives this word to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. In other words, Paul was instructing Timothy, listen, there are going to be false teachers. There are going to be those who falsely can lead you astray if you're not tuned in and anchored into the truth. But you will know those who are anchored into the truth by this. They acknowledge the power of the God that we serve in his holiness. Those are the ones who are tuned into the truth. Because he says that having the appearance of godliness but denying it's power, his power. We must acknowledge the fullness of God's power and hold to the truth. Second thing that you can write down this morning, live with authenticity. Live with authenticity. Paul said of the church in Crete, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. We would say that they talk the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. And because they talk the talk and didn't walk the walk, it hurt the faith. I shared with you before, you know, so many people, the reason, number one reason they don't come to church is because uh, the lifestyle that many Christians live, right? And, and how it turns them away from coming to church. This was true in Crete, that the church was not living as God had called them. And, and, and so Paul's words to Titus was, let them have an authentic faith. Not just to preach what they say, not just to teach what they say, but to live out in their life what it means to follow the gospel, to pursue godliness. You ever seen something or someone that looked real on the outside, but on the inside was fake? I, uh, when I was a kid, 18 years old, our, our, our senior class trip was to New York City, and uh, we, uh, it was a big experience for me, but I was walking the streets in New York City, and, and one of the things I always wanted as a kid was to get a Rolex. And uh, there in Chinatown, I bought a Rolex for $15. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> I was so excited, so proud, wore that Rolex. I, I got what they call a Submariner, and if you're familiar with those, that's the ones that you can supposedly take to the bottom of the ocean and they'll keep ticking. I got a Submariner Rolex for $15, and I wore it just about every day for a week, and it looked real. And this watch that was supposed to be able to go down to the depths of the ocean, I, I wore it in the shower accidentally one time, and it looked like uh, one of those snow globes you get at Christmas time because there was water on the inside of it. All the painting wore off on the inside of the watch. It looked like it was snowing there. It looked real, but it was legitimately a fake watch. <laughs> Only did I know, right? You know, my prayer for our church is that we would be authentic in our faith. It's not just something we talk about on Sunday. It's not just something we talk about, but it'd be something we live out in our lives. Because when we live it out, the world notices something different about us. They notice the truth of the gospel and the redemptive power of Christ Jesus in our lives. Let's be authentic, not as fakes. Paul said, for the sake of the gospel, be a genuine, live as Christ has commanded. How can our faith be proven genuine? By the testing of it. First Peter verse one seven, or chapter 1, verse 7 says, 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How is our faith made genuine? It's when life is not going the way that we want it. When we get the news that we didn't want to hear, when it's hard to love people that are being difficult and ugly and different to us, it's in those situations that our faith is really tested that we hold to our faith and live as Christ has commanded. That's the genuineness of our faith. If we want to have a sound faith, we've got to live with authenticity. Third thing, stand for integrity. If you want to have sound faith, you've got to stand for integrity. There's a hard word in here. There's a couple hard words in here, but uh, as we get to what Paul is saying, he says to Titus, therefore rebuke them sharply. Whew. Anybody a type A person in here? You, you like those words. You're like, I got that. No problem. When scripture says rebuke them sharply, I can do that. No problem, right? That's a tough word. But, you know, the goal is not that they would be cut off, put down, cast out. And there, there are some situations that, that Paul talks about in Timothy where, you know, when you have those who are false teachers and continually, there's some strong words. But, but here, I want you to see, there's some strong language here, but the goal is not that they would be cut off, cast down, put down. And how do we know that? Because there's a comma there. It says, therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. See, the goal for Paul, the goal for Titus is to point all people to Christ Jesus that they may have a sound faith. Yes, there's some strong language here. Rebuke them sharply. But can I tell you, there's a strong love that's here as well. It's this discipleship teaching moment that, yes, as, as you walk alongside those who are not living as God had called them to, you walk alongside of them, and there's some correction there. That's the word that means correct. There's some strong correction, but you do so with the goal and the aim that they may be sound in their faith. Walk with them. You know, I, I, uh, in, in high school, I, and all through my life, math has not been my strong subject. I can remember getting some of my math homework graded, math tests graded, and it looked like somebody had done surgery on my paper. <laughs> there was red ink everywhere. You know how the tell, I could tell, though, the difference between a math teacher who really cared and one who didn't care about me? Next to where they, where they marked my answer wrong, they took the time in that same red ink to give me the correct way to solve that problem. They cared more about helping me get it right than they did proving me wrong. I think in the church, that should be our heart. Our heart should be about helping people get it right when it comes to their faith and their theology and their truth. There's a place for us to rebuke, to, to correct but with a heart of love and grace. That needs to be our heart. Stand for integrity. Stand for the word of God. Stand for the truth. Don't sway in that. But may our aim, may our goal be that everybody be found in sound faith. Will everybody do that? Probably not. But our mission, our call is the same, to walk alongside of them. This is discipleship. This is teaching and mentoring. We need to care more about helping people get it right than proving them wrong. 
Fourth thing you can write down, embrace God's calling. You want to have sound faith, boy, tune in when the voice of God speaks. Embrace his calling on your life. Paul gives some more strong words. The end of chapter 1, he says, They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Now, I kind of imagine the Apostle Paul in some ways being a little bit of a type A person. (laughs) He had to share some hard truths sometimes under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, I can't imagine a situation that as Paul wrote this where it didn't absolutely break Paul's heart to write this. As he's looking at this church that his young pastor Titus is is overseeing, I'm sure it broke his heart to see the condition there. Because Paul knew that God had a good work, a good plan for the church there. Church, do you believe that God's work is good? Do you believe his plan is good? Do you believe that his work of salvation is good through his son Jesus? Do you believe that what he wants to do in our lives is good? I believe that God wants to involve us in his work. Not that we deserve it, not that we've earned it. He wants to invite us to be a part of what he's doing, which is saving and redeeming lives. He wants to save people so that they're not uh, living in eternity without him. He wants to save people from depression. He wants to save people from addiction. He wants to save marriages. He wants to save those who wrestle with suicide. That's the work of our Father in heaven. He wants to redeem and restore and forgive people. That's his work, and it is good. Because it's good, everything that we do in this life should be in an effort to be a part of his good work. And as Paul is writing to the church of Crete, because of their disobedience, because of their lifestyle, they were missing out on being used in a part of God's work in his kingdom, his good work. Boy, as I think about that and I think about my own life, there have been times in my life where I wasn't walking with the Lord as I should or maybe I missed opportunities that God was trying to give me to be a part of what he was doing. Can I tell you, it hurts my heart to think about those times because I think when we talk about being a part of God's good work, there's nothing greater that we can do with our lives. There's nothing greater that we can do yet to be a servant to our most high King, Jesus. And we miss an opportunity I don't feel like we just miss an opportunity of our week, of our month. I feel like we miss an opportunity of our existence. Because when we stand before Jesus, the only thing that's going to matter is that one, that we said yes to him as our Lord and Savior, and that we said yes to serving him. Those are the two greatest things. The two greatest yeses you can give your life is saying yes to serving and accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The church in Crete was missing out an opportunity to be a part of the good work of the gospel. My prayer for us as a church, that when the Lord looks down upon us and each and every one of us, that he would say the opposite of what he said, Paul said about the church of Crete. This church has my favor. They are walking in obedience to what I have called them to do, and they are ready for any good work that I would have for them to do. I pray is that as God looks at this church, 
He would say that he is ready for any good work. Church, are you ready to be a part of any good work that the Lord has for us? Come on, church. Are you ready to do whatever it takes to serve the Lord Jesus? Ready for any good work, following in obedience, walking into the way that God has called us? Come on, church. There is nothing better or greater that we could do with our time, our resources, our lives that is to serve Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Ready for any good work. Don't miss your call. Don't miss the opportunity that God has given us. It is an opportunity of our existence to serve him as Lord and Savior. As I read this difficult letter, and I think about Paul's letter to Titus and the message that Titus would have to deliver to the church, imagine that there was a time of repentance. Imagine there was a time of invitation for them to respond to what the Lord had instructed them. You know, those times in our life when the Lord calls us back, when we have wavered in our faith, those are times that we should take very seriously in our lives and be grateful. Today is a time where we have an opportunity to lean in. Like the church in Crete, I believe that there are times in our life where we sway away from where we need to be. But I'm grateful today that God's grace is here with us. Amen. Today is an opportunity that we have to surrender unto him. This morning, as we have a time of invitation, maybe the Lord's leading you to take a step and say, Lord, I want to be ready for any good work. I want to give the response that Isaiah gave to the Lord when he called him. Here am I, send me. Maybe this morning we need to get before the Lord and say, God, here am I, send me. Maybe this morning you need to give your best yes in saying yes to following Jesus all the days of your life. If you have not surrendered your life unto Jesus, today is the day. Today is the opportunity he's given. We don't know about tomorrow, but you have today. I pray that you would use that opportunity to follow where the Lord's leading. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. We honor you, God. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your still, small voice that guides and directs us, Lord. And may we listen. May we tune in. God, may we be found with sound faith, ready for any good work, following in obedience as you have led us. Father, today as we have a time of response, Lord, as you lead, God, may we follow. Maybe for some of us it's going before you right now. And God's saying, I want to be ready for any good work. Maybe for some this morning it's, it's coming forward this morning and accepting you as Lord and Savior or uh, to get baptized and, and declaring publicly our faith. Lord, however you lead, I pray that we would respond this morning. And it's in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's stand as we have a time of invitation. You come as the Lord leads.
Father, we pause and we give you thanks. We thank you for your faithfulness. Father, it's because of your faithfulness that we can even sing blessed assurance. How else do we know that Jesus is ours if you're not a faithful God? And so, Father, I pray that you would take the truths that we've heard, that you would challenge us to be the very best that we can be that we would allow ourselves to be taught and led by your spirit. And Father, that we would spend the time with you that we need to, to understand your love for us and to learn of what our role is in your plan in this world. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen.